So today we are continuing our series that Pastor Mike started uh, last week. Um, it's called In His Own Words, and it's focused on the, uh, the, some of the I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John, where he's talking about himself and making claims about who he was. And, um, and he uses these, these uh, I am statements that we're focused on here with these self-defining uh, uh, claims using these big metaphors um, to tell us about himself. And last week we started with a, uh, a famous one that's uh, in John chapter 6 where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And, uh, and we talked all about what that means to, for Jesus to be the bread of life. And uh, that is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, that John chapter 6. There's a lot of stuff in that chapter. It's just full of, of great teaching. And Pastor Mike did a great job of explaining it. So uh, if you missed that message, be sure and, uh, and go back and listen to it on the, on the app or on the website or on Facebook or wherever you find it there and, uh, and catch up on what it means for Jesus to be the bread of life. And this week, we're going to look at another verse um, that is actually our memory verse for this month. We just uh, all set it together. It's from John chapter 8. And if you haven't memorized it yet, here's what it says. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now that statement, when Jesus made it, was especially dramatic because of the time and place when he said it. Um, you see, if we look back in chapter 7 and see what, the, what was going on at this time when Jesus was teaching, we'll see uh, two things. We see where he was, which was he was at the temple in Jerusalem. So he's teaching this uh, in the courtyard of the, the Jerusalem temple. And he was at the temple... Um, and in Jerusalem because of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles was an annual feast that was one of the ones that uh, Moses told the people to follow, and it was one of the feasts where people were to gather in Jerusalem. Now, not everyone emptied the whole world to all go to Jerusalem every year, but many people uh, would go to Jerusalem and, uh, for the Feast of Tabernacles, and so there was a big crowd there from all over Judea, all over um, the Roman Empire that had gathered for the Feast of Tabernacles. And um, it was one of those pilgrimage feasts where the religious Jews would all come and they would spend a whole week celebrating this feast and, and the, uh, the festival that was, that was part of it. And it was primarily uh, a remembrance of the time that the people had spent in the wilderness when they left Egypt before they entered the promised land. And so they called it the Feast of Tabernacles because they would uh, build these little uh, tabernacle fort things and live in those during that week as a remembrance of when they were out in the, uh, in the wilderness and they didn't live in permanent homes. And so, um, so one, of the, uh, one of the other things that... Uh, that they did in Jesus' day in order to celebrate the feast was that feasting and the, and the meals and everything, they would light several big lampstands in the outer courtyards of the, the temple. And this lighting ceremony was to symbolize and to remind the people of the fact that while they were in the wilderness, 
uh, God had led the people with a pillar of fire that guided them from place to place uh, through the desert to show them where God wanted them to go. It was both a sign of the visible presence of God and also that, that guidance of God to, to lead them through the wilderness. And now, in the midst of that Feast of Tabernacles, when this ceremonial, symbolic lighting of the temple grounds was fresh in everybody's minds, Jesus stands up, maybe with even the actual lampstands like visible uh, when he's saying this. We're not sure exactly what time of day it was or whatever when he did this, but, but um, everybody's at least thinking about those, uh, that big lighting ceremony, and Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. So this is another incredibly bold claim for Jesus to make. Just like we saw last week, when Jesus claimed to be the true fulfillment of the bread from heaven, right? Uh, he, He was the true fulfillment of the manna in the wilderness. Now he's claiming to be the true fulfillment of the light that guided the people through the wilderness. And, uh, and he's expanded on that to say not just a light to guide a group of refugees through the desert, but he is the light of the whole world. The light of the world. And he says anyone who follows him will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So again, we're, we're, we're dealing with metaphors here. The presence of God in the wilderness uh, with the Israelites may have been a, a real light that people could actually see, uh, but, but here Jesus is, is using light in a symbolic sense, right? So, so what does the symbol mean? Um, well, Jesus doesn't give any explanation here in uh, John chapter 8. Um, I'm pretty sure that on that actual day, when Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he probably did give some explanation and talked a little longer. It's a pretty short sermon otherwise. Uh, two sentences, right? That's, because that's it. That's his whole speech as recorded here, is just those two sentences. So I'm pretty sure that he had a little bit more to say than that. But John doesn't give us the rest of that. Um, John tells us why, actually. Uh, he only gives us this much in chapter 21. In, in John chapter 21, uh, right at the very end of the book, he says this. He says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And, of course, taught many other things too, not just did them. So John has given us a, a summary of Jesus' life and ministry and of his teachings. And on this particular occasion, John chose to write down only two sentences of what Jesus had to say. Um, so we don't have the full context of how Jesus might have explained this metaphor of light and darkness. So we have to put in a little bit of effort in order to understand it more fully. All right? so, so of course, light and dark are very common metaphors, um, not just in the Bible, but in other places as well. Um, we have it in, all, in our modern culture all the time. Uh, you know, everything from Star Wars to Dark Souls video games, it's all, the light and dark are very common. And, and, and the Star Wars symbolism really illustrates pretty clearly what the common meaning of light and dark is, right? The light side of the force is the symbol of everything good and pure and uh, unselfish and, and seeking the good of others and noble and righteous. And then the dark side 
is evil and bent on destruction and domination. And that's kind of uh, our symbolism of light and darkness. And we do see that meaning of light and darkness in the Bible, too. That the light is the good and the, the dark is the bad. For instance, in, in uh, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And so in that passage, the meaning of light is moral purity, uh, righteousness, goodness, holiness. And the darkness that God lacks is the evil and impurity and unrighteousness. So this verse is declaring the moral perfection of God using the symbolism of light and darkness. But, but that's not the main idea that Jesus has in mind here in uh, John chapter 8 when he says, I am the light of the world. You know, it, it certainly is a biblical teaching that Jesus was morally pure and holy and righteous and all those kinds of things. But in this context, there is a different uh, symbolic meaning of light that, that is the, the primary idea here. And here, the main idea is that light reveals the truth. Especially the truth about God and about righteousness. And we see this explained in uh, John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, uh, it tells us this. It sa he says, uh, verse 19, he says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So the idea here is that uh, light reveals the righteousness and the unrighteousness of people's lives and of their deeds. Unrighteous people don't want their evil deeds to be exposed, and so they hide in the darkness. But those who live by the truth seek out the light. Now we know that those who live by the truth, those who seek the light, they don't do it because they have no unrighteous deeds to hide. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So it's not that the morally pure people seek the light here. It says it's those who live by the truth that seek the light. The light reveals the truth. And some people deny the truth about their sin, and some people admit the truth about their sin. And those who don't want their sins exposed hate the light, stay in the darkness. And those who are ready to face the truth about themselves come into the light. And when we do come into the light, we find that the confession of our sins leads to forgiveness. But that symbolism of the revealing nature of light 
um, includes a lot more than just uh, specifically revealing sins, right? That's what's being discussed here in John 3, but that idea of the light as something that reveals the truth and shows things for what they are is really the, the big idea of what light is all about in this, uh, in this metaphor. So light reveals the truth about all kinds of things, and Jesus, as the light of the world, is revealing many things to us. Now, the most important thing that Jesus reveals is the truth about God, the truth about who God is and what he is like. And we see that in, uh, in John chapter 1, where the Bible tells us, uh, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Jesus has made known the truth about God. Jesus knows God in a way that no one else does. Right? Now this is one of those passages where uh, it's talking about the Trinity and the fact that Jesus, uh, you know, it says he himself is God, and it also says, and he was in relationship with the Father. And sometimes our, our little human brains have a hard time uh, comprehending how exactly that works. But, um, but the point is <laughs> that as a member of the Trinity, Jesus has knowledge of God that goes way beyond uh, any other person. He knows the truth about God. He knows all of the truth about God. And he has revealed to us many true things about God. So how does Jesus reveal the truth to us about God? Well, there's two main ways that he revealed God to us. One was through his teaching and the other was through his example, through his life and his actions. So Jesus' knowledge of God is perfect and everything that he teaches us about God is true. And for three years, he had a teaching ministry in the synagogues and out in the countryside and in the temple. And today, we find that teaching or, or summaries of it in the writings of the Bible especially in the, the four Gospels that we have uh, in, our, in our Bibles. And that, that our, 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 uh, these actual teachings of Jesus that have been recorded by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that our record of what Jesus taught is an authoritative and accurate and true uh, record of what Jesus taught during his years of ministry. And he had a lot to say to us about who God is and how he wants to relate to us. And he taught us about God's love and mercy. And he taught us about God's desire to be with us. And he taught us about God's anger at empty, ritualistic, legalistic religion. And he taught us about God's compassion for sinners. You know, just an example, one of the great stories that Jesus told of the prodigal son, one of the famous stories, and if you remember the father in that story, who was just waiting and longing and looking down the road for his son to come back, 
And when he saw his son returning, he ran out to meet him. And many other stories like that and other teachings that Jesus gave to reveal to us the heart of God and what God is like. But of course, those things that Jesus taught require some effort for us to access it, right? First, you have to actually read your Bible, right? I mean, the fact that we have the teachings of Jesus in the Bible doesn't do us a whole lot of good if your Bible is just sitting on the shelf. Or for modern people, if you have the Bible app, but you never actually click it and open it and actually read in it. Um, you know, we need to actually be reading our Bibles. Um, we need to regularly be reading Jesus' teachings in order to continue to learn from him about the nature of God. It's not the kind of thing where you read it once, and now you got it, and now you can just put it aside and, and go on with your life. We need to be regularly reading. And it's a great idea to supplement that regular reading um, of, of Jesus' teaching with study of the Bible. You know the difference between reading and studying? <laughs> When you just read, you're just kind of going through a big chunk of text. But when you're studying, you're taking your time and thinking it through, maybe finding another book or a discussion group or something that will help you to understand it more thoroughly. And then we also need to be hearing sermons about Jesus and his teaching. And we need to be engaging in discussions about it with people. And that can be done in a, a formal Bible study group or something, or it can just be sit down with a friend and talk about what you're reading in the Bible. All those things can help us to learn from Jesus to know God better. And all those things are ways that Jesus is enlightening us now. So part of what Jesus meant when he said, I am the light of the world, was that he was revealing God to the world. And if we want to know what he revealed, we must put in the effort to look into his teaching and see what God is like. And besides the things that Jesus taught, he also showed us God through his example. Since he is God, his actions, his relationships, his life show us the heart of God. Jesus showed compassion for the poor and needy. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He ate with tax collectors and sinners and with Pharisees. He shared his life with his disciples. He talked with outcasts. And the ultimate example, he suffered and died on our behalf. He loved us so much that he went to the cross so that we could have a just forgiveness and have our sins wiped away. All those are ways that he demonstrated who God is and revealed God to us. And then in addition to, or maybe better as an extension of, Jesus revealing the truth about God to us, he also reveals to us how we can relate to God. He doesn't just give us, you know, a picture of who God is, but he tells us, and this is how you can connect to him. Um, and that's the main idea that's contained in the second part of the main verse today, where it says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If we follow Jesus, we will not be in the dark as to how to live, how to walk. 
He gives us the light of life that reveals to us what God wants from us. And that, of course, includes the, uh, the means of salvation and putting our faith in, in Jesus and for forgiveness and trusting his death on the cross on our behalf. But it also includes how we should walk in light of, uh, in, uh, how we should walk in the light after we have found salvation. Right? Again, through both Jesus' teaching and his example, we see the kind of life that we are to live. A life of forgiveness, of love, of compassion, of kindness. A life that is committed to the truth and to calling others to the truth. A great example of the kind of teaching uh, about how we are to live and what kind of life God wants from us is in uh, his Beatitudes, where Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Those are the kind of lives that God rewards, that God blesses. And, and Jesus revealed much of that in his teaching and his, in his example. And when we follow him, we will have the light of life. That is, he will reveal to us how to live a life that is real life. See, through the light of life, we find the abundant life that Jesus promised. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that is the path that God is, or that he is revealing to us through his light. But you notice that that light is, is given only to those who follow Jesus. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. They will have the light of life. That's another thing that he teaches us about God. God has provided a way for us to relate to him, to find forgiveness for our sins and to have the life to the full. But if we want God to give us those things, we need to do it his way. God accepts everyone who comes to him in Jesus' name. But only those who come to him in Jesus' name. He's the light of the whole world, but only those who follow him enjoy the benefits of the light and all that it reveals. The rest walk in darkness. You know, it's really a bold statement for Jesus to say, I am the light of the world. But Jesus made another very bold and very similar statement at, at another time. And I couldn't quite make up my mind whether to say that this is an even more bold statement or to say it's an almost as bold statement. So I decided better not to rank them and just say, here's another really bold <laughs> statement that he says, and it's not another one of the I am statements. This one is a you are statement. And we find it in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And here he is in the Sermon on the Mount. A bunch of his followers have gathered together, and he's on the side of a mountain teaching them. That's why we call it the Sermon on the Mount, because he's on the side of a mountain, and he's teaching them. And, uh, and here's what he says to this group of followers. He says, 
You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. So who's he talking to here? Uh, who is the light of the world? His followers are. His followers are the light of the world. And if you are a follower of Jesus, that means you. You're the light of the world. So, so what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it, it means the same things we just talked about, about Jesus, right? Um, it means that we reveal the truth to the world. Uh, we reveal the truth through what we say and through our deeds. So, so look at a little more of the, the context here in Matthew chapter 5. Um, he says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a, uh, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So why is Jesus talking about how we don't hide the light? It's because he's encouraging us to fulfill our role as the light of the world. The world needs to know the truth. And God has given us the task of showing the truth to the world. And Jesus wants to encourage us not to neglect or otherwise fail in that mission. And so he says, don't hide that light. Let it shine. Let it so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Just like a lamp or a town on a hill, our light is to be seen and not hidden. And through our talking about God, and especially here, uh, Jesus talks about through our good deeds, we are to reveal God and his ways to others. Now, of course, in order to do that, we first need to receive the light from Jesus, right? Uh, we need to know the truth before we can share the truth with others. And then we can pass it on uh, from him the things that we have learned. And that goes both for speech and for deed. We need to learn what to say about God and we need to learn how to behave in order to uh, accurately reveal God to people and to reveal how to relate to God to people. And then we become the city on a hill. In a way, it's, it's a bit like the relationship between the sun and the moon, right? In that... Uh, only the sun actually produces light. Uh, the moon doesn't have any light of its own. It's just reflecting the light from the sun. And that's a little bit of a picture for us to see how we can be the light of the world, right? It's not that we have uh, any source of our own light or any source of great wisdom and knowledge except what Jesus has revealed to us. And so as we 
uh, take in the light that as God or as Jesus reveals to us, then we can uh, be a secondary reflection of his light. And the more that we walk in his light, the more we are able to fulfill that role that he gave us in showing our good deeds to others so that they too will glorify our Father. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for revealing yourself to us, especially through the teachings and the works of Jesus. And I pray that you would help us to uh, be in the light so that we can learn from him and learn the things that uh, you have chosen to show us about yourself and, and then reflect those things back to others. May many people glorify the Father because of the light that we shine to them. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.